Does anybody understand that at all? Yeah, those few. All I could see was Miss Sandra in the back going. That's the way I feel around my house a lot. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, good morning after that. I just want to say thank you to all of the kids that have been involved this morning. Uh, in case you didn't know and we failed to explain, today is Sunday of March. And the fi- five Sundays in a month happens four times a year. So those four times a year, we're going to have a family service just like this. We'll get better and better, and the kids will get more um, excited about doing it. They were so excited, but several of them have been super nervous. So, um, so, <laughs> pardon me. But, uh, you know, in case you're wondering, why are the kids singing? Why are the kids being ushers? That is why today is a day of uh, uh, a family service that we can just allow them to be a part of this. And, you know, if we never give them an opportunity, they're not going to grow. They're not going to know. They're not going to learn. And so in this environment, we can give them that chance to to grow and just learn something new, experience something new. How many of you grown-ups ever stood on a stage when you were seven years old and or held Gabriel, ten years old, and sang a solo, right? That's an amazing experience. <clears throat> so um, I think everybody in here knows me. I'm Michelle Isbell, and I'm going to be bringing a message to you today, if that's okay. Um, so I am, of course, Pastor Allen's wife. I'm also mommy to Brandy, Natalie, Sasha, Austin, Jessica, Anna, and Hampton. I have to count. I have to count. And so, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sometimes temporary mom to some other kids, uh, many other kids hanging out at my house all these years. Um, I've been hanging out with kids my whole life. Uh, before I met Alan, uh, I was doing the kid thing. I was coaching softball and doing campfire, and I worked at a residential facility for teenage girls. And and then, you know, we got married. We had our kids. We um, birthed some. We I gained some through marriage, and I adopted some. And uh, I tell people I can't remember which ones are which. Just there's seven of them. I don't know which one's which. Um, during our 11 years of ministry, uh, we have hosted about 30 kids from Ukraine. We've been to orphanages in Ukraine and worked with kids over there. And as I recall, I think I worked in every single kids ministry department at Auburn Fellowship at some point or another. So kids are my thing. Uh, youth are my thing. It's just what I've always done. I've always been around kids. And so all that to say... I've got a little experience hanging around with kids, being with kids. That is my heart. I love kids. I love youth. And so today I want to talk to you about this word, generations. Generations. It's a biblical word. Uh, It's a reference to something that is very biblical. And uh, Alan read this first verse that I was going to discuss, Matthew 18. It talks about the disciples. They're having this discussion. Who's the greatest? 
I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. They're having this discussion. And let me just say this. In the days of Jesus, women and children were considered a lower class. They were uh, the lesser class citizens. And so for Jesus, in those verses that he read, or Lexi read, for Jesus to come back and say, this little child is the greatest in heaven, in the kingdom of heaven, was super shocking to the disciples because... Children were considered, you know, while they were kids, just get out of my way. You know, they were lower class citizens. So they were, they were kind of shocked, uh, Jesus, to say, uh, you disciples over there arguing about who's one of you are the greatest. This little child is the greatest, right? And then you all know David in the Bible. Let me just tell you, some research has been done with some Bible timelines, and they have pretty well determined that David was about 13 years old when he was anointed king. When he was out in the field and he was killing the lions and the bears, you remember that story? He was about 15 years old. Gabe, head on out there and kill some lions and some bears this afternoon. That's how old he was. And when David killed Goliath, he was only about 17 years old, like Hamp right? That's a young dude to be out there doing the things that he did. He was being used in a mighty way by God when he was just a teenager. And so what I'm saying to you is that to God, kids are important. Generations are important. And so because of that, we have got to figure out a way to bring the generations together to find a way to glue us together some way. Um, I heard this message first at Rama. Thank you, Denise Burns, for bringing it the first time. And she called it generational cohesion, sticking together the, the generations. And so now you guys have heard of the millennials, right? Speaking of generations, you've heard the term millennials. Uh, millennials are right now between the ages, give or take, because there's different categories, but between the ages of 23 to 38. 23 to 38 are the millennials. Do we have any millennials in here today? 23 to 38. Guys, you guys are getting old. 38, like you're bumping it on up there, millennials. But I would say millennials have gotten a bad rap. You hear all these negative comments about the term millennial, right? They've been labeled as as being lazy, dependent on their parents, like defying authority, not doing things in the normal way. They need like emotional support. They need a therapy dog. You know, they got a really bad rap just because of a few that this did describe. But... I think millennials are great. Look at Jordan and Rebecca. Who else raised it? Jasveer, Joe, Amber. You guys rock. Look at the creative. Lordish, you are not a millennial. So. <laughs> the millennials are fantastic. They're so smart. They're so creative. Rebecca came in here and I was trying to do something on that brand new computer back there. I was like, I don't know. I don't know how to. And she just click, 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 and she had it working. 
It's amazing what millennials can do, what they know how to do. Love you, millennials. But I want to talk with you today about a new generation. The generation that's coming up behind the millennials. It's called Generation Z, or sometimes called the I generation. These are folks that were born after 1997. So they're typically between the ages of 22 down to about six years old. Is anybody in here 22 to six? Six years old up to 22. There's your generation Zers. I believe that this generation plays a very, very important role in the second coming of Jesus. I, I really do. And because of that, we have got to figure out a way to bridge that gap between us old folks. I said us old folks and Generation Z. I want to share a few facts about Generation Z. Generation Z does not, they do not know life without a smartphone. Not just a cell phone, a smartphone. The first iPhone came out in 2007. So anybody that's 12 years old and under, they will never know life without an iPhone. And 95% of Generation Z have a smartphone. Another thing, they have never known life, never known life without Wi-Fi or Google. Like the guy, what's the Wi-Fi code? You got to have Wi-Fi everywhere. We're going to Africa. Are we going to have Wi-Fi? You don't know something? You need to look up an answer to something? Just Google it. Just Google the answer. Google knows. Google knows everything. These kids spend six to nine hours a day online. Generation Z is very, very social media based. They have Instagram and Snapchat and I don't even know what else. But now look, they don't do Facebook. Facebook is for us old people. So when I told Anna happy birthday this morning... I had to put it on Instagram so she would see it, and then I put it on Facebook so, you know, all, all my friends could see it. Because, you know, they don't do Facebook, and they are super addicted to the likes. Do you know that kids that put something on social media, they are looking for the likes. The likes, when they, when they see that, it produces, like, dopamine in their brain. It shoots off a... a a shot of dopamine, and it gives, it's like a drug. It's addictive. It is changing the brain of a generation. That's, that's pretty deep right there. Now, I don't want anybody to be alarmed over these next statistics, but look, we have to talk about it because this generation is talking about this. We have to talk about it. Generation Z has seen pornography. The average age that a kid has seen pornography the first time is age 11. And by the time that they reach 18 years old, 90% of these kids have viewed some form of pornography. Now, I'm feeling it's a little uncomfortable in here right this minute when you say that word in church. 
It's a little heavy. Look, if if 90% of our kids are viewing pornography, we need to be talking about it. Right? Generation Z is growing up in this world of sexual fluidity. Gender is being questioned. Sexuality is questioned. And these kids know terms to describe gender identity that I I don't even know how many there are. It used to be boy and girl. Form two lines. Boys line, girls line. Not anymore. In a 2016 survey of gender and sexuality of kids from age 13 to 20, y'all get this, it only found 48% of those kids, 13 to 20, 48% consider themselves completely heterosexual. Less than half. That's scary. And, and I'm, I'm sorry if this makes you uncomfortable. But look, if we're not going to tell them the truth, if we're not going to talk about it, who will? Someone's going to talk to them about it. 50% of high school seniors who have grown up in church will walk away from their faith after graduation. Why? Why would they walk away from something that we consider so great and so wonderful and so holy? It's because they don't see how the Bible is relevant to their life. They don't see how it matters. They haven't made a connection. Generation Z kids' lives are so busy with, with school activities, technology and social media and their social life. They will only spend 40 hours per year in church on average. The amount of hours that you spend in a work week, in one week, that's, the, that's all the hours that most kids will spend in church in an entire year. And, and parents say to the church, church, teach my kid the, the, the principles of God. Teach my kid their Bible verses. Teach my children about the power of God but they're only bringing them here 40 hours in a year. And then the church is saying, parents, please help. Do something on your side too. You teach the kids in your home the power of God. If we're going to combat all these statistics that I just told you, It's going to take more than 40 hours in a year. It's going to take the church and the home working together. We have got to figure out that generational cohesion. I want to show you a graphic. They're going to put it up there to illustrate the goal that we have here at Compass Church. Now, y'all know I love the color orange. Can you tell? I love orange. I want you to see what orange means 
to our kids and our youth ministries here at Compass Church. The red is the family because you are the heart of your kids. And the yellow represents the church. I guess because Jesus is the light of the world, right? But look what happens when you blend the red, which is the family, and the yellow, which is the church. It makes orange. So our orange, when we say we're, we're creating orange at Compass Church, it is that powerful working together of the church and the family to teach the next generation and the next generation and the next the power of Jesus in their lives. Orange is powerful. Let me just tell you what the, the color orange means in the psychological world. The color orange in psychology is a color of change. It represents a color, the color orange represents joy. It's a color for joy. It is a color for emotional strength. And it's a color that represents a positive response to any situation. That's the world's definition of the color orange. And I don't know about you guys, but all of that sounds like Jesus to me. If the church and the family can learn to work together and raise our children to be a positive change, to express joy and emotional strength, and to find a positive response in every situation, we're doing good. We are creating orange. Amen? Let's look at Deuteronomy eleven eighteen. It says this, Place these words on your heart. Get them deep inside of you. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Teach them to your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home, walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning until you fall into bed at night. Inscribe them on the doorpost and the gates of your city so that you'll live a long time and your children with you. These verses, they're talking about relational teaching of the Word. It's talking about going orange, right? Family and church, working diligently, talking together, bringing the truth of the Word to our kids. And this Generation Z, Generation Z is crying out for relational Christianity. You know why 50% of high school seniors leave their faith after they graduate? They have not been taught how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We tell them how to act. We tell them what to do. We tell them what not to do. We tell them all the rules and all the regulations, all the do's and don'ts. Do this, don't do that. But we don't tell them how to have a relationship with their Savior. You you guys know Christianity is not about do's and don'ts. It's not about rules. It's about a relationship. 
Christianity and church, it's not just something you do. Christianity is not something that you do. It is who you are. It's who you are. Generation Z needs to know that Jesus Christ is their best friend. There was a, there was a recent survey done of a group of teenagers, and they asked them this question. Who do you look to the most for your spiritual support? And then they gave them five choices. Who do you look to the most for your spiritual support? Youth group friends? Other friends that are outside your youth group? Youth group leaders? Adults in the congregation? Or your parents? You know who they said? Their parents. Their parents. And they also said, we not only look to them for for spiritual support, we model our parents' spiritual behaviors. Not their words, not their talk, not their instruction. We model our parents' actions in spiritual things. That should make our eyes get big right there. Do you know what elementary kids are crying out for? First through fifth graders? They are crying out for your attention, parents. The number one prayer request from elementary kids and kids' churches all over the nation is this. Can you pray for my mom and dad to play with me? They're always on their phone. And I just want them to put their phone down and play with me. There's a, there's a new phrase that's come out in the psychological world. We've never had this phrase before. It's called distracted parenting. It's a new thing. Cell phones and the internet are such amazing tools. They in themselves are not evil. But look how the enemy has taken our cell phone and our internet and has twisted them and is using them to cause divisions in our families. If we are constantly distracted with what we're doing, look at how we miss teachable moments with our kids. Y'all know what I mean, right? Now, I've been there. I've missed those moments before. It's easy to do when you're caught up. Your phone's right there. It's bing, bing, binging in your ear. But those moments when your kids ask you a question or they come home from school and they want to tell you a story about something that happened at school, they want to have that eye-to-eye, heart-to-heart, undivided attention from you. And you can't do it when there's a phone between you and them. Conversation. Teachable moments are not about Jesus said you better do this or the Bible says this and this and this so you better watch your back. It's not about condemnation. 
Teachable moments are about having a conversation. Now you guys are probably saying, Miss Michelle, why are you telling us all of this about these generation? It's this. Generation Z, they are looking for answers and you guys have the answers. We have the answers. It is really heartbreaking to think about what they have to deal with. What they have to go through just in a day. I was sitting with Gavin the other day. I went to sit with Megan. And Gavin was sharing with me about his school. And he said, Miss Michelle, you know, kids at my school, they use such bad words that it burns my ears. I said, really? And he said, yeah, and they're smoking, and they're drinking, and they're doing drugs, and they're selling drugs. He is 12 years old, guys. He's 12. This is what he goes through every day at school, and he's 12. Do you know what I was doing when I was 12? Jamin, we were riding bucking ponies, and playing in the creek, climbing tree. When I was 12, I didn't have to deal with that kind of stuff when I was 12. This is what Generation Z is dealing with. They need our help. They need us to be there, present. They need us to teach them and support them and guide them. And teach them to have a relationship with Jesus. I think most importantly, they need us to diligently pray for them. Not everybody can go back there and be a teacher in that elementary classroom. Because I'm going to tell you what, Rebecca, it's hard, ain't it? It is hard. Everybody is not called to that area of service. Everyone can't be a youth group leader. Everyone can't be a coach or a teacher. But everyone can pray. Right? It's biblical. It is how God designed it to be. The the devil would have us old people, and I counted myself as an old person just then, The devil would have us old people to disgrace and down and criticize the younger generation. Oh, those millennials, bunch of losers, living in their mama's basement. You know what I'm saying. The devil would have us to criticize. All those kids today, all they do is play video games. And You hear me? The devil would have us to criticize them. It is his job to cause division. But God's word instructs us in a way that causes generational cohesion. I want to read a few scriptures to you. Psalm 78, 1 through 7 says this, O my people, Listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I'm saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories 
that our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of our Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders. For He issued His laws to Jacob. He gave His instruction to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so that the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting His glorious miracles and obeying His commands. Ain't that good? Do you hear some instruction there? We don't let kids just raise themselves. We've got a responsibility. Psalms 105 says, For the Lord is good, His unfailing love continues forever, and His faithfulness, faithfulness continues to each generation. Luke 150 says, He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear Him. Psalm 102.18 says, Let this be recorded for a generation to come, so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. And this is my favorite. Psalm 71, 17 and 18 says, O God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood, and I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you do. Now that I'm old and gray, now that I am old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation and your mighty miracles to all who come after me. Do you see our responsibility? God has called Generation Z to such a time as this. They have an amazing job to do for the kingdom of God, but they're not going to be able to do it. They're not going to be well equipped unless we equip them. The world is so loud in their ears right now. Do you know how loud the world is screaming in our kids' ears? Do you know how loud that phone and that internet and that social media and those movies? and Do you know how loud all of that is in their ear? And for some reason, the church has just gotten real quiet. But we need to be louder in their ear than anything in this world. We cannot lose this generation to the world. Not, not as long as I'm alive. Not as long as I can do all that I can do. We better get on our knees. We better battle for them. Amen? Can we just pray now? Can we take some time and pray now? I just want to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank You for this generation. I thank You for these kids age 22 down to 6, this Generation Z. I thank You for their creativity. I thank You for who they are in You. And I thank You, Lord, that You have opened their hearts. Lord, that You give them a mind that is set on You. 
Lord, I ask that you would equip each and every one of us older generation to be well able to take them into the future, to teach them the things to be well equipped, to prepare them for what you have for them to do throughout their life. I just want to ask, if you are in Generation Z, if you are in that category, 22 years down to six, I want you to come right up here with me.